Hey, y'all. It's Dina, lead producer here. Removing crab traps is really not something I'm even a little bit familiar with. But it's something I've come to learn is extremely crucial to our marine life. In Texas, each year a group of volunteers tread Texas waters to collect all the abandoned crab traps. Here to tell me more about this is Jim Olive. He's the founder of Christmas Bay Foundation and someone who's also volunteering to get these crab traps out of our waters. It's Wednesday. February 15, 2023. I'm Dina Kispet, and here's what Houston's talking about today. Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for joining me on CityCast Houston today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, The first time I heard about the crab trap collection was actually from our newsletter writer, Brooke. So can you first set us up and tell us what is the Christmas Bay Foundation that you started? Well, the Christmas Bay Foundation is a 501c3 uh, nonprofit whose mission is to protect and preserve Christmas Bay and the surrounding estuaries. And uh, part of that uh, uh, project is to participate with Texas Parks and Wildlife every year, uh, collecting abandoned crab traps. Hmm. And for people who don't know, where exactly is Christmas Bay? If you go to the end of Galveston Island to the west, you cross over San Luis Pass and uh, you're on to Follett's Island in Brazoria County. Hmm. And you continue a couple of miles down the road and on your right is Christmas Bay. It's a nursery bay, a shallow nursery bay about two miles by four miles. Hmm. And this is, is this like a common place to go and fish for crab, I guess is fish for crab the term here? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a um, very popular fishing and kayaking, bird watching area. Hmm. And uh, commercial crabbers uh, set their traps in, in that bay and the surrounding estuaries. So you're taking part in the Texas Wild, Wildlife's uh, abandoned crab trap removal this weekend February 18th. Can you tell me exactly what this program entails? Well, basically, we start in December gearing up for it. It's every February, and I think it's the second or third weekend of the month of February. And uh, we work with the uh, Gulf Coast Rescue Squad, the Brazoria County Parks Department, uh, Christmas Bay Foundation and uh, individuals that, that come down to help us collect traps. The commercial fishermen have to take all their traps out of the water before the uh, trap removal program happens because they don't want to you know, mix up the ones that are being tended by the crabbers. And so they take all their traps out of the water. And that's quite a task, by the way, because some of these guys have dozens and dozens of traps. And so they go and they pick them all up. And then those traps that are left in the water are considered abandoned. For people who don't even know what a crab trap looks like, can you help us visualize 
kind of what exactly it it looks like? Yeah, basically a, a wire cube, and mm-hmm. um, it's made out of like a type of chicken wire, and it's mm-hmm. got an opening in it that uh, the crab can go in to get the bait, which is generally you know um, old. Uh, cut up fish, you know, like where you fillet them and then the, uh, the bone and the head and everything is put in there and then the crabs will go in to get it to eat. And so the crabber comes and checks on these traps every few hours and removes the crabs and then rebates the trap. But it's, it's basically a, 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 you know, box that's empty and made out of wire, you know, like a chicken wire. So why is it important to remove the old crab traps? Because they call them ghost traps, and they're really just a sustainable death trap. The crabs that'll go into the to get the bait uh, are are trapped in there, and since they're not being tended, they eventually die. And when those crabs die, they lay out a scent trail. The other crabs follow and go in there to get what's in there, and they die. And then you have other critters that that will also follow that scent trail, like turtles, otters, you know, different animals. Sheephead fish are very susceptible to being caught in there, And, uh, Mm -hmm. and all of them die. And it will continue to kill animals until it's removed. Uh, that's why we specifically target them. How many would you say have you removed, like in one volunteer session, one weekend? Well, the first one we did back in 2004, we filled up an entire 40-foot dumpster. Whoa. And we, you know, we stomp them and flatten them out. And so when we flatten them out, the size is smaller and we can put more in and so you can imagine how big how many there were we don't i don't think we counted them but it was hundreds obviously and since then we've also expanded the area that we um, removed traps in because we've gotten better support we have more boats we have airboats from the uh, the rescue squad that allow us to get into shallower water and um, retrieve these traps where, you know, generally, you know, you're going to have to wade to get them. And so you get as close to the shore as you can and then get out and wade over and pick them up. And we still do that because not all of our boats are airboats. We generally have three airboats out there from the rescue squad. And so the, the traps, basically what happens with these traps is that the crabber has a set line and somebody may be out boating at night or they don't see the there's a buoy uh, that's tethered to the trap to give the crabber a visual where it is and sometimes people hit that tether the the rope between the, the buoy and the trap and drag it with their motor and it gets caught up in their prop and causes all sorts of vexations for the boater, and then uh, sometimes the uh, trap just gets broken loose by a strong tide current and, and pulls it away from the crabber's uh, set line, 
And so they just wander off, you know, and, and uh, the crabber can't, you know, locate it. He's, you know, running his traps and he may not notice it's missing. And so when they remove all their traps, that trap that wandered off is one we're looking for. Why is it important for you to take part in this? Like, why did you get started? Well, we the, the Christmas Bay Foundation was uh, initially founded with me and a, a buddy of mine, Don Green, who's since passed, and Jim Blackburn, uh, an environmental attorney. And uh, we're all friends. And, and uh, uh, Jim Blackburn and I did a book called The Book of Texas Bays. And I'm a biologist by education. I'm a photographer by profession. And um, so I had a cabin at Christmas Bay, and I'd fished Christmas Bay for a number of years prior to having that cabin. And um, Christmas Bay's water is the most pristine water in the upper Texas coast, or so I'm told by the agencies. And um, we'd like to keep it that way. And um, we have one of the last remaining... uh, um, seagrass beds in the upper Texas coast. Most of the seagrass beds were killed off by pollution. And so they would take uh, samples of our grass to start new beds in the bays as pollution was stamping down. And so we've tried to protect our bay. It's, it's a great fishing and great habitat for wildlife. And as I said earlier, it's a nursery bay, which is where um, the speckled trout, redfish, flounder, and sheephead and so forth have their young. And seagrass beds allow these juvenile fish to hide uh, from predators. And so it's helped keep our population stable. We also have a lot of oyster beds in that area. And uh, now that oyster collecting is banned in our bay, it's a Texas coastal preserve. And so we, we want it to be as natural and uh, sustainable as possible for our wildlife. How can people get involved for people who want to take part in this? Show up at 8 a.m. this coming Saturday at Seidler's Ramp, named after James Seidler who was a longtime uh, cabin owner at, at Christmas Bay. Excellent. I definitely learned something new from you, Jim. Thank you so much for coming on our show today. Sure. That was Jim Olive from the Christmas Bay Foundation. We'll have more about the crap trap removal in our show notes. All right. I'm going to stay with y'all a little bit longer to catch you up on what else is happening around town. We talked a lot on our show about where our city ranks for certain things, you know, be it from quality life to pollution. Now we're going to talk about where we rank for running. And unfortunately, some bad news. We are number four in the worst city to go running in. Sorry to all our athletes and our running enthusiasts. Now, this was established by a recent survey by Eris. They spoke to a thousand people and they asked them to consider different factors, things like safety and air pollution. And we took the cake in spot number four as worst city. 
I guess on the flip side, San Antonio and Fort Worth are in the top 10. Granted, we made it above them, but still, oof, this one hurt. That's all on CityCast Houston today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to tell your neighbor about CityCast Houston. That's your challenge for this week. Go out and do it. Bye. Dina Kispit, and this is what Houston's talking about. Damn, that is a mouthful.